From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we launch our 25th year on the air. And thanks to everyone who has helped us along the way, some of our great guests and uh, the wonderful support of Bishop Wiegand, who founded it, and uh, Bishop Soto, who has just been such a, a great supporter and a frequent guest on our program, all our underwriters, and of course you, the listeners, uh, which is why we do all this labor of love. So appreciate all of it. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to welcome in Blake Young, the uh, president and CEO of the Sacramento Food Bank. Blake, good day to you. Good day to you, Bob. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you, and uh, appreciate you uh, uh, being with us. Uh, here we are in November. I, I can't believe. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's still summer, <laughs> but uh, yeah. By, well, by golly. Well, this weather, this weather certainly doesn't uh, depict the November, huh? No, absolutely not. We'll just gonna go go find a beach somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's a beautiful beautiful day, and it's great to be on your show. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, thanks so much. You know, obviously November. I guess every day, every month is a big month at the Sacramento Food Bank. Uh, hunger doesn't stop. Uh, needs don't stop. Uh, because it's not the holidays, and but uh, I know November is is a, a huge month for you. You've got the the you know Thanksgiving, and of course the run to feed the hungry on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, we're excited. It's a, a great great time of year, and you know my wife and I were gro- grocery shopping this morning, and it, you know it just reminded me, you know, it, it won how many people are having such a difficulty with the cost of groceries they're just they're they're through the roof and then you know uh thinking about thanksgiving and you know people struggling to have a a meal at at thanksgiving you know really is really is heartbreaking yeah you know i I mean i was at the grocery store yesterday and and i was already over fifty dollars and i had nothing in my cart it's like, it's like <laughs> is that what they're doing now they're, they're yeah, right. you're renting the cart a, a cart rental <laughs> it's, a, it's just mind-boggling i mean uh we hear about inflation the thing that always bothers me about inflation they say okay inflation last month was eight percent and it slowed down to four percent this month so that's a really good deal and i'm going wait a minute that four is on top of the eight you know it's like if if it's Four percent worse than last month. It's worse than last month, even if the trend's going down. You know, it's like, and uh, you, some of the things, the staples that you're used to buying, are just off the chart. Yeah, actually, that's exactly a conversation my wife and I had. And, you know, we, in my almost thirty years of doing this, I've never seen the demand this high, and it's yep. certainly a reflection of the inflation, and you know. So many people, you know, losing their jobs during COVID, they're, they're just unable to catch up. Yeah, it, it seems as if, and, and what we're we're two two and a half years, I don't know, removed from COVID. I mean, people are still getting COVID, but it seems like that is is still a, the the point you can point to that everything started to change. Yeah, well, and we what we're seeing is is. You know, where folks prior to COVID, even though they valued our work, they, you know, there's a lot of folks that didn't just decided not to take advantage. And that's not the right word, but, but availed themselves to, mm-hmm. you know, groceries and, 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 you know, food. And they, they simply now, it is a huge, huge, you know, boost to their, you know, to their everyday expenses, because if someone, you know, someone has to buy a prom dress or some cleats for their little kids football you know, team, you know, or a clutch goes out in your car. I mean, you know, they're really finding value in that and they're not they're not moving away from it. Yeah. And, and you, talk about your numbers, uh, you know, where, where they used to be, where where they soared to and where they are now. In terms of the yeah, people so you're prior serving, to, prior, 
prior to the pandemic, we were providing food to about 150,000 people per month. At the height of COVID, we were over 300,000. Oh, my gosh. And we are still over 300,000 today. Wow. So how do, you, how do you assess that number? Is that a number of, of bags of groceries or family size? How do you assess that number of 300,000? Those are individuals that visit our food programs throughout the network. So, so, so you three hundred. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, yep. three hundred thousand individuals. Uh, that means the the actual number of people using that food is is substantially higher than that. Yeah, and you know if you think about Sacramento County's a really sad situation. Sixty percent of kids below the age of eighteen qualify for free and reduced food at, at schools. And if in a population of 1.4 million, you know we're feeding 300,000 folks. Wow! But you but you can double that the amount of people in Sacramento County qualify for CalFresh. Boy, that is that is stunning. That is a stunning number. Um, wow! It's 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 mind-boggling. So. Talk, talk. I know we have, a, you know, we pick up new listeners every day. Talk a little bit about how it gets distributed. Uh, people don't have to all come to one location anymore. You bet, Bob. Thank you. Um, so there's, so we are the food bank for the region. The region is Sacramento County. We provide food to over 130 charities hmm. or food programs throughout Sacramento County. And some of those so they can be, some of those would be religious, some of those would be nonprofits, some of those would be a bunch of volunteers. Yeah, so senior centers, mm-hmm. schools. So most folks don't know we work with all seven school districts and we provide food to all the colleges. Oh wow. So yeah, so there's lots of I mean, I think there's a couple thousand students at Sac State alone per month that receive food. Uh, there's elementary schools, there's senior centers, there's homeless shelters. So you name you name it. The charities that provide food are getting food from us. Do do they contact you and say this is our need? This is what we see. This. Uh, um how does that work? So we have we have 130 nonprofits, basically mm-hmm. faith based and not faith based, that are on contract with us. Okay. And what and what that means is is they we assess the numbers, they report numbers to us, and we provide a certain amount of food to them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Mm-hmm. Some pick up from our warehouse. Most receive deliveries from us, and so you know some charities serve once per day. Some charities serve a couple times per week. Some serve a couple times per month. So mm-hmm. it just really depends. Uh, but the structure is is that we provide food. They provide the food to the folks that need it. And then we also have our own programs because the Sacramento County, unfortunately, is higher in hunger than the national and state average. Hmm. Our network simply cannot feed everyone. So we have programs ourselves where we go out in the community and directly distribute to folks to take pressure off the network. So some of these organizations, do they, uh, I know in, in my hometown, they have a, a community meals, a rotating shelter that goes through various churches uh, and synagogues and et cetera, any, any faith group, um, and they'll serve a nightly meal. Are some of these people serving meals or are they just serving food that it will be taken and, and the, the recipient will, will be preparing the meals? So the majority of the food that we distribute is groceries, just like you and I buy at Bailey's mm-hmm. or Walmart. Right. However, if however, um, if charities that are helping unhoused folks 
like maybe loaves and fishes. Mm-hmm. They receive food from us, and then they cook it and serve an actual meal. Right. But most are, but most are getting groceries. Very good. So most people, the presumption is they have their they they have a facility to prepare the food. They're 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 in most cases probably not homeless, other than like loaves and fishes and in a group like that. Oh, I would I would guess that ninety seven percent of the folks that we feed are individuals and families that live in a home but mm-hmm. are barely making it. Right, right. So is have you is there any explanation why Sacramento County is so high? In terms of well, I think it it starts with the cost of housing, mm-hmm. and 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 the type of employment most people have. It's the, the the wages from the employment is not meeting the housing and other basic needs. Mm-hmm. We have we have a lot of I mean fifty percent of the clients that we provide food to are children under the age of eighteen. And 15% of our uh, clientele are seniors above the age of 70. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, you know, you, you, you end up sometimes, you know, you think, well, what about housing in the Bay Area and those, those places? And the interesting thing frequently is is the housing is very expensive, but the, but the wages are much, much higher in, in, in those areas as well. Not that you, you don't have the working poor there as well. Yeah, I think another misconception is is that people that receive food in our network don't have jobs, and that's just simply not true. We have lots of folks that have du- dual incomes. We have seniors on a fixed income, uh, but they simply can't make it through the in- through the through the month. So they they rely on our network to uh, you know take care of them, whether it's on a weekly or monthly basis. So starting, I, I believe, in April, the state of California will pay certain fast food workers, not all of them, but those from the major chains, $20 an hour, which will be, uh, well, be $4.50 more than right now, but uh, I think it's supposed to go to 16 for everybody in, in January. But So $20 an hour, uh, uh, basically a 25% raise. When things like that happen, does it affect you folks, or can you can you quantify that? Well, I mean, we haven't we, we've never experienced that before. That's true. I mean, yeah. my first my, my first first reaction is is why not why not a plumber get a raise? Well, yeah, that's well, uh, that's one of my reactions because we, I have a couple of college age daughters who who work for coffee shops and things like that, but uh-huh. they're they're independents. They're not the major chain, so they don't they don't get the raise. But the the uh, Starbucks down the street will get the raise, you know, and I'm I'm not sure how where they work is gonna is going to attract employees, and I and I don't understand because when my daughters go to the grocery store or put gas in the car or whatever they don't have cars, but you know do whatever, um, they're getting charged the same amount as the worker that's now making twenty. Yeah, I mean uh, our philosophy is is. If anybody can make a wage and get out of the food line, it's a good thing. Yep. But yep. but I don't. But I I have a hard time understanding why somebody working for McDonald's is making four dollars and fifty cents more than somebody at a local coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. It may, it's my my re, my reaction exactly. I'm very happy for the people at McDonald's that are going to make that, but it uh, right. It just seems like you, you left out just an, a giant group of people. Because uh, there, there are a, a tremendous number of people that they're making minimum wage, and maybe uh, you work a year, you work two years, and you get a fifty cent an hour raise or something. They're not climbing the ladder uh, as you do in many, many other occupations, and that's that's not an insignificant number of people. I mean, you you, you put together sometimes if if you had two family members both working full time, like a husband and wife uh, at at uh, minimum wage. It's still not enough to pay the bills. Well, then you throw in daycare, yep, diapers, infant formula. I mean, and and then it, it, you know, people now understand why so many people are in need of a food bank or a food program. Right. 
Do do you provide uh, things like like baby food, like like uh, Infamil and and that those sorts of things? Not as much baby formula. There's not there's not readily available formula in that that quantity. Right. However, however, we supply over seventy agencies throughout Sacramento County diapers. Do you really? Wow. So, Oh, yeah, you bet. So we're technically considered a diaper bank as well as a food bank. I, didn't, I did not know that. That's, that's... Yeah, there's, there's roughly six of them in the state of California. And you name the charity that takes care of young children, they're getting, they're getting diapers from us. Oh, boy. That, and, and that is an expense. That is a real expense for, for family, an unavoidable expense for families. Yeah. Yes, wow. and it's and if you think about it, you had mentioned it earlier. Even if you're working at McDonald's making twenty dollars an hour, the cost of housing, the cost of raising children, the cost of gas, you you start to really get an understanding why so many people are in need, and the numbers that we're seeing are not going to go away. So the cost the cost of business at Sacramento Food Bank is higher, obviously, right. but then the amount of people that need help is higher as well. And as your operation has gotten bigger, uh, you, you've had to, you know, hire, buy big trucks and hire people to drive them and things like that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, as demand as demand goes up, we need more hands to do the work. Um, so we're blessed in that the, the community has really, you know, responded to helping us try to meet the demand. And I say the word try because, you know, going from 150,000 people to 300,000 in, in less than, yeah. you know, in less than six months and still maintain that number. It's very challenging. Have you had it all to cut back on what you give people? That's a great question. So far, no, but sustainability, the board and I are concerned about sustainability because we don't believe this number is going to go away. Right. 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 So if you go to Rayleigh's, for example, and you buy a bag of chips a, a year and a half ago, those chips were a buck fifty. Now they're three dollars and fifty cents. Yep. We don't we don't believe the number's going to go down. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of the things, uh, like we say, uh, even if inflation uh, levels out at zero, um, it's you're stuck with where it is. It's it's high. I, I've. In my lifetime, I can't think of the, the only thing that seems to fluctuate and actually goes down every now and then is the price of gasoline. Um, it, you know, it, it, it goes up and down. And it's interesting. I was just uh, uh, out of state the other day and, you know, gas is a dollar to a dollar and a half cheaper in uh, virtually every state that surrounds us. You know, it's just it's it's mind boggling how much cheaper it is. And again, as you mentioned, the working poor, if you're commuting to get to a job, uh, if you're because you, you and, and you're, you're you almost have to commute because let's say the price of housing is higher where your job is. You have to commute maybe 30, 40, 50 miles a day each way. Boy, that price of gas just that eats into the family budget real fast. Well, and we're the feedback we're getting because, you know, we're out in the field all the time talking to the folks that we provide food to, and that's a constant. I mean, people simply cannot keep up with inflation. And we talk to moms, we talk to seniors that are skipping meals mm -hmm. just to ensure that their children have it or just to make sure that they have enough to get through the end of the month. Wow, that's so. One of your major fundraisers coming up. Uh, the yeah, run, a good segue. <laughs> run to run to feed the hungry, and, and we should point out, and you've said this before on air, that rather than uh, going to a grocery store, we we love our grocery stores, uh, and and they, you know, they operate on pretty low margins. Uh, yep. Rather than going there and buying a, a whole bunch of stuff, which is a, it's a great example for your children and things. And there, there's some real benefits in doing that, but it, it'd be much better if we gave you the 50 bucks or the hundred bucks or the $500 or whatever people can afford, because you can 
just make it stretch 10 times what we could just by going to the grocery store. Yeah, thanks, Bob. It's a great point. I mean, so roughly for every dollar you give to Sacramento Food Bank, we can provide five meals. That's, that's and so remarkable. Folks, folks, folks say, how the heck do you do that? Well, <laughs> first, we are able to buy. So 42% of all the food that we distribute is fresh fruits and vegetables. And that's the number one thing people want other than <laughs> meat and eggs. Mm-hmm. So we buy with 40 other food banks in the state of California. We do a cooperative buy. And we're buying hundreds of millions of pounds of produce per year. So where you go to the grocery store might pay a buck and a pound for potatoes, we're paying 12 to 15 cents. Wow. Yeah. And that's purchased. That's not donated. That's purchased. Yeah, I think that's another misconception that food banks uh, just deal in donated food. And that's not the case in this day and age. Can't Most large food banks are buying a significant portion of their food. So do you have any way of assessing what gets it? But presumably everything gets eaten because you are dealing with people who are hungry. But uh, assessing what might not be pop as popular as something else, um, not, not cost-wise, but just for some reason, whatever you're putting in the in what you're giving away, that doesn't get eaten as much, and maybe you could put something. Is there any way to assess that? Well, a lot of our charities distribute food in what's called a choice model. Oh, okay. So they just they just don't hand a bag of food out the window. They bring folks into their facility and allow them to pick pick what so, they want. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, and so what, what, what you'll find is people are very respectful. They're very grateful. Um, and, you know, they take just about everything. I can tell you that most people that are coming through our food line do cook. I think that's another misconception. They're, mm-hmm. not, they're not buying Twinkies and Ding Dongs. Right, right. They're, they're, they're you know, uh, they're, they're getting bulk rice, bulk beans, carrots, potatoes, onions, um, fruits and vegetables. Um, and so we know they're cooking and that's the most popular item. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what would be not very popular, I guess. You know, I, when, when we're there distributing food, people take everything. I mean, they're hungry and, uh, they, they take things that a, they can cook and B they can stretch as far as they possibly can. Presumably, the the most popular vegetable would be a potato. Uh, potato and onion, probably uh, and the onions. most. Wow! Wow! Oh yeah, just because you know you're cooking with uh, onion almost everything, but oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, but you know, but eggs, milk, sure, meat, and fruits and vegetables are probably the top five. And when you say meat, uh, is is there a is there a primary meat or is there, is it uh, go across the gamut? Well, meat is a very difficult item to sure. get for as many people as where you imagine. You imagine just close your eyes for a minute and provide food to three hundred thousand people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So it, the meat's very very expensive. So we're lucky in that. A lot of our meat comes from the grocery stores. Folks may not know, but we are responsible to pick up from about 150 retailers per day. Mm. And so a lot of the grocery stores are able to donate meat. We get some meat from the United States Department of Agriculture, and then we buy some. So, I mean, I think probably the most popular is chicken. Sure. Sure. Right. But some cultures that we provide food to don't eat meat at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- th- I guess that would be a, that would be another question in, in terms of uh, can can people have some specificity in, in terms of their wh- whether it's their own dietary restriction for health reasons or maybe a religious or, uh, you know, some, some sort of practice that they're, you know, whether they're the vegetarian or et cetera. 
Yeah, well, we have a we have quite a significant Muslim population that mm-hmm. only eats halal meat. Right. Um, so a, a couple times a year, we're able to buy it in bulk for cheap, and we're going to get that because we know that the more culturally appropriate food we try to get to folks, the more they're going to eat it all, and there'll be no waste. Absolutely. So yeah. our, our our focus our focus number one is nutrition. Right. We try the best we can to provide really high nutritious food, and the, and the you know the public has responded very well to that. Oh, I, yeah. I mean that that has to be one of the, I, I think one of the hardest things for for a, a parent. Uh, sometimes the stuff that fills you up quickly is is not the best stuff for you, you know. And and you, boy, you want your children to grow up healthy and not not face all these. Uh, potential diseases that come from bad eating. Yeah, on the other hand, I grew up with spam and macaroni and cheese, and some people <laughs> say I turned out okay. So. I, I, I grew up, uh, well, we must have had the same mom. I, it's just <laughs> the, the same thing, you know, uh, five young kids all hungry and uh, uh, yep. not, not much income. We weren't poor, poor, but, you know, we always had enough to eat. But my mom grew up in the Depression in North Dakota, and, boy, she knew – she knew, knew how to use every piece of the chicken, every piece, you know, boil the bones and all that stuff and make soup. You know, it's just uh, it's amazing how uh, how parents who love their kids figure out a way, you know. Well, and, and we have that now. I will tell you, we we are providing food to some of the most wonderful families. They may they may be struggling economically, but. They love their children, and they cook for them, and they care how much nutrition is going into their bodies. It's just that they're having a difficult time. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I, I remember when uh, out of college, I was a Vista volunteer living in uh, projects in Atlanta with a with a family and with a lot of children, and it was you know it was a government program, Volunteers in Service to America, and kind of a domestic Peace Corps, and. Their their children, the 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 mom and dad didn't have much, but those children were their their pride and joy and their prized possession, and they had they would do anything to make sure they were fed and clothed and and schooled, and it was it was wonderful, just wonderful to see uh, across all cultures and all uh, uh, economic levels how much people cared about their children. Yeah, well, you would be so. One of the things that's so heartwarming is. When folks go through the food line, they are so grateful. It's such a wonderful thing to see. They are appreciative of the volunteers and the staff, uh, but they're very grateful for the food they're receiving. So it's 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 nice. It's very nice to see. Blake, do do you worry or uh, feel? Are there people you're missing, and and how can you outreach and make sure that that they know this is available? That's a great question. So part of our strategic plan and working with our staff who are extremely dedicated, highly educated, we are trying to reach some very difficult populations mm-hmm. right now. And so we do it a couple ways. One is we, our team goes into these communities, some small neighborhoods. We talk to some church leaders. We talk to some neighborhood leaders. And we try to get uh, we try to penetrate those communities and let them know we're available. That's great, and it's it's it's, it's working really well. That's 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 really heartening. I, I know <laughs> a client load of three hundred thousand. <laughs> it's hard to say you want you want more, but you want to be sure you're hitting everybody that's in need. That's for sure. Well, you know, again, it, a, a more well balanced and nourished family is a more productive family, is a, is a happier family. And at the end of the day, food, food is medicine. So yep. the more we can provide nutritious food to folks, the better our community is going to be hands down. Boy, and the, the, the ripples from that, you know, a, a, a happy family, a well-fed family, a, a, it, it just, it's, better for, it's better for them, of course, but it's better for society. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure... Even though there's just no way to quantify it, what you folks do 
probably significantly lowers the crime rate. And I mean, it just does. It, it, it lowers all kinds of, of bad things in society. It, it increases the, the health rate, if you will. You know, it, it lowers uh, medical costs. It, it, <laughs> there are a lot of tentacles to what you folks are doing. Yeah, I mean, kids can focus better in school. Mom and dad can focus better at work. And I do think that, you know, it, we've all been hungry before. It's not, yep. it's not a fun feeling. Nope. Nope. And yeah, it's, it's it, I mean, it's, it's so big that there's not, you know, there's, it, it becomes your whole focus. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you can't do your schoolwork. You can't do your job. You can't do whatever it is. Uh, you can't even look for work because you're so hungry. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're very appreciative of the, the support we get. And it's, it's very heartwarming that, you know, so many people find value in our work. So I think a couple of minutes ago, I brought up the run to feed the hungry and then uh, yeah. <laughs> ask a question to go in another direction. So the run to feed yeah. the hungry, uh, uh, Thanksgiving morning, uh, tell us about that and how people can, can participate. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. So this is our 30th year. We're trying to reach 30,000 people for our 30th year. Wow. It's a, for, for families, it's a long-standing tradition that folks come out and uh, participate in the Run to Feed the Hungry. It, it's a wonderful event. It raises a ton of money for our organization. And, you know, it gives us an opportunity to talk about hunger and, and, and then, you know, give gratitude for the things that we have. So it's really a, a wonderful day. And everybody gets a T-shirt? Some people have yeah, uh, all 29. Gets, <laughs> we know we know folks that have all 29. <laughs> uh, yeah, you you can you can register at RunToFeedTheHungry.com or SacramentoFoodBank.org. Uh, Thanksgiving morning, the 10K is at 8:30, and the 5K is at 9 o'clock. And you can also sign up as a virtual participant. You don't have to come out if you're cooking a turkey or you're out of town. You can go online and sign up. We'll mail you a shirt, and you could participate virtually. Oh, that's great. That's that's wonderful. And you end up with all age groups, right? Oh, you bet. We have little infants in strollers, and we have folks that are uh, much older than you and I, Bob, and probably in better shape. <laughs> I, I'll agree with the better shape for sure. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. And I mean, you've, you've come close to 30,000 a couple of times, right? We, we have. We've, uh, last year, we were at 29,700. Oh, wow. So we're close. That's real close. That's real close. And these these T-shirts are complete collectors' items. So, so you how do you how do you do you uh, have various artists sort of uh, competing for the 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 design on these shirts, or how do you how do you come up with? You, you want the shirts to be fun. You want them to be clever. You want them to be meaningful. Uh, even help promote. Um, how do you come up with all that? You know, a lot of times, uh, folks email us and say, Hey, I got an idea. Um, but we've, we've done so many different things. We've asked artists to put something together. Uh, we worked with a graphic artist the last couple of years, uh, that came up with a concept. We got some feedback from our run to feed the hungry committee. That's kind of how it works. Very good. And, and when, when is the final decision made on the t-shirt? Oh boy. Um, probably in the summertime because we have to order the shirts right. early, early, early. Cause we're ordering so much, obviously. Very good. Well, Blake, uh, if people want to donate, uh, beyond the, the run to feed the hungry, but just want to make a donation, uh, what's the best way they can do that? I think the easiest way is our website, sacramentofoodbank.org. We make it really, really simple, but pick up the phone, give us a call. Um, cut a check and mail it in. You know, we're, we would not be able to do the work without our volunteers and our financial supporters. So 
you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank them, thank them, thank them for all of their support and all their all of their volunteer work. And you you do still uh, need volunteers. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Especially in our warehouse and out in the community, we uh, we never not need volunteers. The, the job's that big. Very good. Well, Blake, thanks thanks for all you do. Thanks for taking the time to join us uh, today, and uh, we'll look forward to our paths crossing again real soon. Yeah, always great to talk to you, Bob. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks so much. That's Blake Young, the president and CEO of Sacramento Food Bank, and what. Just just what wonderful work they do in the community. And it'd be great to, to volunteer. And like, like uh, Blake and I were saying, uh, you know, if, if you've if you got $100 or you've got $10 or $5 to, to donate, he's talking about literally five meals for a dollar. You donate $10 to the Sacramento Food Bank, you're providing 50 meals. It's, it's just it's mind-boggling, but they, they're able to buy uh, – in connection with other food banks around the, around the state and uh, in such quantities that they can really get uh, real bargains and, and they're constantly looking for that and seeking that out. So um, the very best thing you can do is make a, make a donation in, in whatever, whatever, whatever amount you can and realize that that is really going to go to something uh, uh, that's going to help people with a very basic needs, the uh, hunger. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on a Bishop's Hour right after this. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. This is James McCormick, President and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. And we are glad to welcome, welcome in Dr. Stephen Bratz uh, all the way from Janesville in Lassen County. Uh, doctor, good day to you. Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Uh, 
Uh, you are a, a, a retired obstetrician, a Navy doctor, and ended up in retirement in Janesville. Yeah, I'm, I'm not retired from medicine. I'm, st- I'm still in practice, mm-hmm. but um, I retired from the Navy 15 years ago. I, I was a chairman of the OB department at the big Naval Medical Center in San Diego, and then my wife and I moved up to Lassen County, and I've uh, been in practice up here for about 15 years. Oh, very good. Uh, is, is there a little bit of culture shock moving from San Diego to, to uh, Lass- rural Lassen County? It was a welcome culture shock. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, my wife and I were really feeling beat up by San Diego traffic, and we like living in the country. We we like we like riding horses and having animals. So this was this has been great for us. We love it here. How do how do you know? It's such a beautiful part of the country. I love Susanville and all of Lassen County, kind of on the on the backside of Mount Lassen, if you will. And uh, how did you find Janesville? Well, during the Iraq War, um, I was uh, with the Marine Corps First Medical Battalion, and I shared a tent with an anesthetist um, who was a Catholic. I was a Protestant at the time, Mm -hmm. an evangelical, and uh, we became very close friends. And uh, when he retired from the Navy a couple years ahead of me, he moved up here, and he told me about Susanville and said, you know, this would be really good for you, and, and, you know, this area— desperately needs an, an OBGYN doctor. Mm-hmm. And so my wife and I took one look and we didn't even consider going anywhere else. Well, yeah, well, it's a be- beautiful part of this diocese and a beautiful part of the country as well. And it, there's a lot of fresh air as well. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So, I'll give that. <laughs> so a, a wonderful piece uh, about you and your wife in the uh, uh, current Catholic Herald uh, talking partly about the lay mission project and also your, your conversion. Uh, if if you'd like to, I'd love to have you share a little bit of your conversion story uh, to the Catholic Church. Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, as a Protestant evangelical, I, you know, my my wife and I um, been Protestant evangelicals our whole adult lives, you know, more than forty years, and uh, and it was just really important to us to want to draw closer to to Christ, and. Um, I was feeling a need going back six or seven years ago. I was feeling a need to be, better be able to defend the faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the first things I started doing was reading some philosophy because it was a, an area I was weak on. And I got really interested in natural moral the, um, philosophy. Um, and um, I, I found that that all of the authors I was really connecting with, starting with Thomas Aquinas, Edward Fieser, and um, Jay Bochachevsky, we're all Catholic, <laughs> writing about natural moral uh, philosophy. And then I started reading church history. And I read a book that changed my life by Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio. He's a theologian in Texas. He wrote a book called um, When the Church Was Young, Voices of the Early Fathers. Mm. And I saw in there, in the writings of the early fathers, the same liturgy that we celebrate in the Catholic Church today. And the how they valued the Eucharist as the the actual body and blood of Christ, and I could I could see that these precepts and traditions were were held true in the Catholic Church as it is today. My wife was going through a similar transformation, discovering the truth of the Eucharist, and we just decided we have to be Catholic right now. <laughs> uh, wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we got us like an RCIA, were... and here we are. Yeah. They... Probably you're going. I don't. I don't want RCIA. I want to be baptized now in the church. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Although uh, presumably you were already baptized, but uh, um, yes, yeah. already baptized just yes. had to be confirmed in yes, indeed, in church. Well, mm-hmm. Wow, that's you know. Every now and then I talk, I talk to people about their conversion stories, and boy, it it boils down for many many people to the Eucharist. And and the real mm-hmm. presence in the Eucharist, you know, like, like uh, I've heard somebody say, you Catholics believe the whole ball game, you know, not just a couple of innings mm-hmm. or not just this and that bits and pieces. You believe the whole thing, you know, and and it's, it's so it's true. true, yeah, yeah, and and it, you know, the, we're in the midst of a Eucharistic revival, which I I think and hope and pray will bear great fruit, and I'm I'm sure it will. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the, 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 and the other thing I hear frequently on conversion stories is people, they get into history and they get in, as you did, uh, into philosophy and, and et cetera. And why are all these people Catholic? And then you, you go back and you go back and you go back and it's just a scientific fact or a historical fact that Jesus Christ founded the Catholic Church, that this is the church he founded. Yes, yes. Why would he have founded this church and then this wouldn't be his church anymore? I mean, yeah, we've we've exactly. had we've had problems, we've made mistakes like all humans do, but how? Why would this not be, still be his church? And I know when I was a kid, hearing about tradition, you know, tr- you know, we have mm-hmm. obviously the Bible and and God's word, and we have tradition, and and the tradition kind of didn't rub me wrong, but it was like, well, wait, that doesn't quite quite rise to the level of of this other teaching. And then when I realized mm. we we're talking about apostolic tradition, this is the way the apostles did yes. it. This is the way the people who Jesus knew and they knew Jesus. This is, I mean, in in the flesh, right. this is the way they did it. Then it, the tradition started really meaning something to me. Yeah. You see in the writings of the early fathers um, phrases like, "This is what has been passed on to us." Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's and, right there. Yeah. So. And Jesus' words are as relevant today as when he spoke them. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I defy anybody to find a, a philosopher or a, a great thinker from 2,000 years ago where everything they said is still relevant today. Like, you know, we usually have to cut them some slack and say, well, that doesn't really apply anymore. Or they got that <laughs> one wrong or something. You know, they, they were great thinkers, yeah. but... Not with Jesus. There's, I've, I've, I've said that to my kids. I said, let's go, th- let's just go through and and find every word Jesus spoke in the Bible, and mm-hmm. tell me. Uh, sometimes it's hard. Like love your enemy. That's hard, but it's right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's right. There's no, nothing in there have- that he says where you just go. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, it's not there. I have to say, coming from a Protestant evangelical background, you know. Loving Jesus and wanting to be closer to him, becoming Catholic, I I found that all the tools you need are here. It, mm-hmm. It's, you know, in the sacraments and in the, the prayers of the church, um, the liturgy of the hours, right. um, receiving the Eucharist, going to the sacrament of confession and penance um, are really transformative and powerful ways to get closer to the beating heart of Christ in his church. Yeah, very, very, very well said. So talk a little bit about the Lay Mission Project and your involvement in that and, and how that worked and, sure. and how it affected your lives. Well, I'd love to. You know, um, I, I became involved because my wife was asked by Father um, Arbel, our, Arbel Carbasagan was our priest at the time, asked my wife if, if she would be the local cohort leader, mm-hmm. uh, form a group of, of folks in Lassen County, who would go through the three-year lay mission project together. Um, And uh, the the whole project started off with a retreat. And um, there were hundreds of people there. And there was a small group of us from Lassen County. And I just went to support my wife. I knew that I wouldn't actually participate in the lay mission project, but I just went to support her. But I got drawn into it because the the small group that we were working with um, encouraged me and said, oh, come on, you know, just stay with us. You can do it. You can do it. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. It's something I can do with my wife, right? So that that's a good thing. We'll, we'll, we'll do it together. And, um, wow, as soon as I got involved in it, um, I I was really impressed with the, the depth of um, – teaching that we were being exposed to in all aspects of the faith and the catechism. And probably one of the most important things that happened was happened at that very first retreat when Father Sweeney, Father Michael Sweeney, right. um, he's a Dominican priest. He really oversees this along with Sean Bryan, um, spent some time teaching us to pray the liturgy of the hours. And, you know, I just was so impressed with that and I, I, I came away from that retreat um, dedic- just dedicated to having a disciplined, structured prayer life. Mm-hmm. And I think that was uh, one of the key things that happened in my own life that it kind of ha- opened me up to um, 
Well, first of all, just the knowledge that through the Holy Spirit, we can have more control of our own inner life, our inner thought life, and having holiness be not only what we do, but how we think and what mm-hmm, happens mm-hmm. within us. Um, and at the same time, um, beginning the Lay Mission Project, I was just developing more of a burden to share the faith um, that then got me involved in a whole bunch of other projects here in our in our parish. Um, but the Lay Mission Project was a huge part of our lives for, for three years. We had um, retreats that we went to, virtual retreats, uh, local meetings in our home with our the five of us from Lassen County who were going through the Lay Mission Project together. Uh, it was a real time of growth and just deepening our knowledge of the faith. Wow. It, 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 yeah, it sounds very, very powerful. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because we're told to share the faith, and some of us, you know, it's it, it can be hard. Uh, it can be hard in mixed company, if you will. Uh, and and mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's even become discouraged in the common language. Uh, like you know, like well, you're trying to convert me from this to that. You're saying something's wrong with me. You know, you're saying something's mm-hmm. wrong with mm-hmm. my beliefs and stuff. <clears throat> and you go. And the best example I've heard is it. Hey, if if you find a a great new restaurant, or not even a new restaurant, but just a great restaurant, you're going to tell your friends about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if you if you found the truth, and the way, and the light, my goodness, uh, you, you it seems to me you have an obligation to share it. We sure do, and and you know we can share it through our actions, and as much as with our our words. Um, and, uh, I, I guess I, I count a lot on, on that. Um, one of the things that I was a little dis- discouraged about was when I, my wife and I became Catholic, um, our Protestant friends, and we still have a lot of Protestant friends still fellowship with them, but, um, no one really asked us why, uh-huh. You know, we became yeah. Catholic and we wanted them to, we wanted them sure. to, sure. but on the other hand, all the Catholics were enthralled and really interested to see why we became <laughs> Catholics. And, um, and, 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 you know, a lot of Catholics are, you know, really knowledgeable about the faith, but some, some haven't discovered the things that we discovered about mm-hmm. the, oh, sure. the writings of the early church fathers and the, how the liturgy goes all the way back to the beginning yep. and, uh, and just the power of the sacraments in our lives um, just how um, Pope St. John Paul II's teachings on theology of the, of the body um, can help protect our young people and keep them pure. And, and uh, there's just so many things that we can discover in Catholicism. Yeah, you know, I mean, take this, this is my body. Uh, that wasn't something mm-hmm. somebody made up in 1920 in uh, some meeting in Baltimore. You know, that's, those are Jesus's mm-hmm. words. And we're still those using words. those words today. You know, I mean, it's 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 so profound. It gives me chills. You know, I mean, I can look at my own life, and I was literally baptized the day I was born because there was some concern about my life at that time. And my dad went out in the hallway and found a priest, and I got baptized on the gurney. You know, and. And wow. with full consent of my will, by the way, but, but, you know, it was, and then I'm living and the, the mom who just gave birth to me was a convert to Catholicism as an adult. And boy, what wow. a contrast between me being baptized at birth and raised in the faith and just accepting it. And my mom who willingly chose the faith I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> living with a convert when you're a little kid and and it's Saturday morning and you're supposed to go to catechism class and mom's the one that's going to wake you up and you're sitting in bed praying, let mom sleep in today, Lord. She's worked so hard. <laughs> let her sleep in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and, and she's the one as a convert who, who really herded the family, if you will, and and the rest of us who grew up with it 
she, I mean, she knew so much more about the faith than we did. There's just mm. there's no way around it, and and she just had that fervor and that passion, and 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 it was contagious. You know, it's like because and it wasn't just because we loved her; it's because we we knew how smart she was, and she knew how perceptive she was, and and all those things. She was a a lifelong RN, speaking to a doctor, and and uh, uh, raised five kids, and we didn't even know she was working, you know, because she was working nights. Yeah. She'd always be there when we got up in the morning. She'd always be there when we got home wow. from school. She'd always be there at dinner time. We went to bed, then she'd go to work. I was like, I don't think she slept for the first eighteen years of my life. But a great uh, testimony. Yeah, it really, yeah. really, really, uh, it, and it was interesting because. Um, she went to uh, a Catholic nursing school in Bismarck, North Dakota, and she was she was Lutheran, which is I think state law in North Dakota. And she got and uh-huh. she she got converted by the nuns. She said by example. So they never tried uh-huh. to convert me. They were just teaching me medicine, you know. But she said their example. She said they had mm. something that I wanted. So. Mm, there's a there's a lot that's powerful yeah it really 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 is so your parish is sacred heart in susanville that's correct yep sacred heart susanville do you Mm -hmm. have a little mission in janesville or not no um it's just a little little tiny place out right outside of town where where i live yeah yeah well that's uh it's it's beautiful beautiful. I always find it interesting that uh, Mount Lassen is in Lassen County, is in Shasta County, and Mount Shasta is in Siskiyou County. <laughs> it's, oh, that's right. I had never thought of that. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, and I think uh, Yuba City's wow. in Sutter County, not Yuba County. <laughs> we've <laughs> we've mixed things up pretty good here in the Golden State, but. Uh, we're yes. good at doing that in California, aren't we? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It's 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 amazing. My wife, my yeah. wife's from Montana, and she just is always amazed when we go on a vacation or something. It's just, she talks about all the different Californias. She says there's just there's so mm. so many different. But, but there's one place, uh, the the redwoods, the uh, you know up in Humboldt County. If if I think if you didn't believe in God. You would believe in God when you saw the California redwoods. You would there. Yeah, yeah. I, I know when my kids were little, we were going through one of those where there's a path through, and there are 350 feet high trees. And and I say these trees were here at the time of Christ. Nobody planted the seed. Nobody watered them. Nobody fought a forest fire. Nobody did anything when the Eel River would flood. Nobody did anything to help these trees along the way. And here they are still, you know, it's, yeah. you know, it's fabulous. Well, mm. doctor, it's, it's such a, such a joy to talk with you and your, uh, your story in the Herald, I will highly recommend it to everyone. In fact, there you are on the cover, no less. Um, yeah. We are the body of Christ born for this time. It's the November, December issue of the uh, Catholic Herald and, and you and your wife are on, begin your story on page 18 and you, it's a, it's an inspiration to me and to i'm sure many many people so thanks thanks for taking the time to be with us and thanks for taking the time with the with the herald to uh tell tell your story it's meant it meant a lot sure you know there were there were three of, uh, of us whose projects were highlighted um uh, marcella mora and um dr richard or michael durant and, and myself mm-hmm. and one of the things i noticed that we all kind of stressed that we found was the just the importance of prayer and that's having that discipline structured prayer prayer life and I guess that's the final thought I'd like to leave our listeners with. Yeah, that's that's really really true and it's really an excellent point. I think many of us sometimes we try to <laughs> we try to solve it first by ourselves or celebrate first by ourselves when something great happens and we sometimes forget about prayer, which uh, we're told mm-hmm. to pray and the power of prayer and the, the goodness of prayer. Um, and like you say, it, 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 yeah. it's transformational. So uh, thank you for that final thought. And thanks so much for joining us. And uh, I look forward to our paths crossing again soon. Me too, Bob. It was very nice talking with you this afternoon. You too. God bless. That's uh, Father Stephen Bratz up in uh, Janesville in uh, in. Uh, Lassen County. We'll-
was held high Such small sacrifice If not joined with my life I sing in vain tonight May the words I 